Well, man, I, uh, I'll be honest with you, I've never heard that song before um, until I listened to it this week in preparation for this message. Man, what, what a beautiful, beautiful song. And, um, and here's the reality that we know, right? In this season, as we're finishing up our series, Tis a Season, in this season, if it's done anything, it's helped us to realize that the fire is real. The trials are real. Um, the suffering and the hardship, the loneliness, all of that, it's real. And then <clears throat> in the midst of this coronavirus, um, I would be remiss if I did not bring up Ahmaud Aubrey and the situation there. That has enraged people as it should. Um, it's just wicked, it's evil, um, it's disgusting, it's ugly um, what took place. And, and we realize again that man, there is so much work that needs to be done in the human heart. And then uh, yesterday, um, I received news that a friend of mine, Darren Patrick, um, had died. And uh, Darren, when we planted K2, he was one of the first guys I met. He was a very successful church planner in St. Louis, um, involved in helping people all around the nation. In fact, we had just brought him in last week, I'm sorry, last year, to speak at uh, Loving Utah, uh, our church planning ministry here in the Valley. And uh, Darren had had a pretty serious fall uh, morally and uh, was out of ministry, but really had gotten back in, restored to God and was helping so many people. And now the church that he was working with has said that this was through a self-inflicted gun wound. And um, yeah, so the church world, the church planting world is, is reeling again today because we just realized there's a fire, there is a struggle. And uh, I was just on Facebook last week and saw a uh, uh, a mom in our own community at K2 asking the question, does anybody know how I can actually work at home and make money and take care of my kids and help them with their school at the same time? She said, because I am failing at both. And uh, so then I went through, there was a bunch of comments and I read through them and it was, my heart just broke for, for moms because it, post after post was saying, me too. I recently just had a breakdown. I can't figure it out. I am stressed to the max. And uh, wow, I just, uh, yeah, there's a fire when we live in this world. And we are, the fire, the heat's up right now um, with the season that we're in. So what do we do? <laughs> well, we say we turn to God and we do. But sometimes I think we just need some help. Um, when we're turning to God, who are we turning to? What is the truth about who he is? And that is why I'm filming the message from here today. Because I think we do have some help. And when we turn to God, you guys, we can turn to this. I, uh, so this is, this is Sugar House Park. I live in Sugar House. I, I, I walk here. In fact, I walk here lately every morning. Um, I've been doing my prayer time, um, actually with a walk. And I, I would say out of all the views in this valley, which are beautiful for me, I love this view. And I know the sun is just rising. It's early this morning. 
the sun is just rising, so you can't get the full grasp of those mountains, but it's just so glorious. And we turn to this, and I wanna talk to you today that in this season, it also needs to be a season for beauty. We need a season for beauty. John Eldridge is one of my favorite authors. Uh, Man, his his work has done uh, amazing things for my own heart. And uh, he actually had a post and he wrote about the fact that it's amazing because we need actually oxygen to survive. And so what did God do? He, well, he created a generous amount of oxygen, right? I mean, it's everywhere. It's, you can't even see it. I'm, I'm breathing. It's in my nostrils. It's, it's surrounding me. And then he said, we also need um, water to survive. And so what did God do? We're even called the blue planet because there's so much water available to us so that we can survive. And then he says this, listen to this. Now, with the same generosity and care, God also filled the world with a renewable supply of something our souls need daily. Beauty. Yes, beauty. The fact that our world is so saturated with beauty, breathtaking in so many great and small ways, this ought to let you know that God feels it's something you need for your survival. We are absolutely swimming in it. So let's talk about the season for beauty. Why beauty? I'll be honest with you, fascinating week of study for me. Um, Garrett, our guy who's filming this, I told him, even while I was praying, I I feel like I just touched, dipped my toe into the unbelievable knowledge that we can gain about God through the study of beauty. But what's interesting is um, the scientific world is actually studying this now because for years, everybody said, you guys know this, I know this. Every time, every time I hike those mountains, I will look at Susie at the end and go, why don't we do this more? (laughs) Because every time I get out there, my soul comes alive. It just does. And so the scientific world has began to say, well, why is that? What's the science behind that? There were studies, I'm gonna give you some stuff from UC Berkeley, from Harvard, from even our own University of Utah. In fact, Dr. David Strayer, he's the professor of cognition and neural science right here at the U. He says this, now we are seeing changes in the brain and changes in the body that suggest we are physically and mentally more healthy when we are interacting with nature. Now, depth, in depth, tons of stuff. Let me just share with you real quick. There are emotional benefits that these studies are showing. When you are hanging out in the beauty of God's creation, it relieves your stress, it reduces anger, and it helps eliminate fear. Um, There are physical benefits. You literally reduce blood pressure your heart rate reduces muscle tension and the production of stress hormones. And this this is really interesting. They're even studying that there is better healing in hospitals. There's this classic uh, um, study that was done with gallbladder surgery. And half the patients, when they were recovering, actually had a window that saw trees and nature outside. And the other half looked out a window and it just had a wall. Here's what they said. The patients with the view of trees tolerated pain better, 
appeared to nurses to have fewer negative effects, and they spent less time in the hospital. And there were other studies along that way too. So emotional benefits, physical benefits, there's intellectual benefits. They see increased attention capacity, partly because when you're out in the nature, it actually gives your mind a break from all of the overactivity that we are just enmeshed with, and it refreshes you for new tasks. So they also find when you spend time in nature and beauty, it makes you more creative. So, so there's intellectual benefits, and then, this is crazy, there's actual relational benefits. They're finding that when people look at beauty and soak it in, because of all these other things, your, your stress goes down, your fear goes down, you actually become more kind. This one shocked me. They actually have done MRIs of brain activity and find that when people are viewing nature scenes, the part of the brain associated with love and empathy lights up. That, that's amazing. In the University of Illinois, <clears throat> they studied downtown Chicago and found that in the city where there actually were trees and green space around the buildings, they reported people knew more people, they had stronger feelings of unity with their neighbors, they were more concerned with helping and supporting each other, and they had stronger feelings of belonging. This is all because of this. Beauty somehow has benefits for our emotions, our physical bodies, our minds, and even our relationships. That's what science is saying. So here's, at the end of the study of UC Berkeley, they said this, with all of these benefits to being out in nature, it's probably no surprise that something about nature makes us feel more alive and vital. And then Dr. David Strayer here at the U said this, you can't have centuries of people writing about this and not have something going on. See, I th I, I, this is why I love, I really do. I love as science dives in and tries to figure out what's going on with creation. They know something is going on with the beauty of creation. Frank Lloyd Wright, the famous architect, he said this, study nature, love nature, stay close to nature. It will never fail you. Well, I like the first three, but the never fail you thing is not true. We know that nature fails us. Right here in Utah, we just had earthquakes. <laughs> like nature was failing us. People were freaking out because of nature. Droughts that happen. I just saw again, fires are going on. Tornadoes have been happening in the South, hurricanes. See, you guys, even nature as beautiful as it is, it's, it's also broken, broken, it fades. It doesn't last, you can't rely on it. But the beauty of nature is amazing. But here's what I wanna say, but don't stop there. <laughs> because the other thing that beauty is, beauty is always attractive. It's alluring. I mean, when you see something beautiful, you're drawn into it. When I was pursuing Susie, um, obviously, there's attraction to, to who she is and the physical being that she is. And right in the midst of this, I read Psalm 45. And in verse 10 and 11, it says this, listen, daughter, and pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house, 
for the king is enthralled with your beauty. Come on, man. All us guys especially. Man, when you see that woman and she's beautiful to you, you are attracted to it. I was attracted to Susie, but it doesn't stop there. Because what that physical attraction did is it, it, it allured me to her. And I fell in love, not with the beauty of her physical person. I fell in love with her. But her beauty is what drew me to her. I think that's what God is doing with the incredible creation. He's displaying his beauty. But instead of, um, and so instead of with Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright, study nature, love nature, stay close to nature, yes, because it'll lead you to God. Here's what, here's what John Elder says. Beauty is essential to God. No, that's not putting it strongly enough. Beauty is the essence of God. So y'all, when we see this and when, we, when, we're, when we're moved by this, apparently when we're healed by this, what it's really doing is it's the essence of God. Psalm 19, starting with verse one says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They're telling us something about God. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. In Isaiah 6.3, what are they saying? Isaiah 6.3 says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. When we look at the earth, we see the beauty and the glory of God. And then Romans chapter one, verse 20 says this, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Man, you guys, the beauty and the glory of creation, the goodness that comes from it, it's just revealing the knowledge of God, of who he is. It's declaring his glory. It's, just, it's showing us his divine nature. And here's what he's saying. I'm beautiful. I am a beautiful God. And what the beauty of creation does, all this healing to our emotions and our mind and our bodies and our relationships, that's just what God does. And so because he is that in his essence, as John Eldridge says, beauty is in his essence. He creates all of this to minister that grace to us. He is pleasing and satisfying. He is peaceful and restful. The very thing that happens when you get out in nature, out in God's creation, is a chance for you to taste and see that God is of peace and will give rest to you. A couple of years ago when I was, 
I, I had my sabbatical and so I took some time off and I, and I do. I, I, my favorite thing is to get up in the morning and actually be outside and connect with God. And two years ago, every morning, I would just look up at his creation and I just felt like he revealed four things to me over and over again. Everything about his creation is life-giving. Every living thing is actually giving me the oxygen again that I need, the, the water that I need, the, apparently the beauty that I need. Everything in his creation too, it's, it's producing something. It's, it's alive. It it's, it's works together. It's symbiotic. And man, it is obviously so pleasing. And I just felt like God kept saying to me, David, that's me. See, my ways, this is, when I do something, it's beautiful. It's good. This is what we know about God and what happens when his stuff is done. And so, in the midst of all this hardship, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the fatigue and the struggle Whatever it is, in the midst of the anger that's rising up because we see what's not right, what's not good, what's ugly, in the midst of all of that, we need a season of beauty. And we can come out here and we can remember who God is. I love in Psalm 27, starting with verse four, uh, David says this, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only (laughs) do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to see him in his temple. One thing, he says, if I could only do one thing all the days of my life, I wanna gaze upon the beauty of God. And then the very next verse says, for in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and he will set me high upon a rock. See, isn't it amazing? Somehow David, he was in trouble. The whole rest of the Psalm is all about this angst and and struggle that he's in. And he says, and what I wanna do in the midst of all that trouble is I wanna gaze on the beauty of the Lord because he's good and he's right and he's loving and he's faithful, and in those troubles, he will be the one, and I can know that, and I'm gonna be honest with you, that's what happens to me when I get outside and I look at this stuff. It reminds me, man, God is good. So, in the trouble, in the stress, in the worry, in the fear, in the loneliness, in the dark times, in the anger, it's the beauty of the Lord. Gaze upon it. Let it bring you emotional, physical, intellectual, and relational benefits. Because this is what it looks like when his will is done. And now, my last thought on this is this. That's his creation. And that's glorious. And this is kind of crazy. I'm his creation. You are his creation. And when he created the world and he said it was good, everything's good, all this is good, he created mankind and he said, that's really good. And we are the crown jewel of that. And and so, so in my prayer walks, as I'm walking around this, almost every morning at some point, this thought will hit me. I'm like, oh my goodness, God, look, look at this. 
beauty and this glory. And then I'll, this thought will hit me. God, I want to I be glorious. If your creation like that can be glorious, then this creation can be glorious. Then this, then this can be beautiful. My life can be beautiful. God, would you please make my life beautiful? So what does it look like? What's it look like for a human life to be beautiful? You know the answer. Jesus walked the planet. God, in all of his beauty, entered into human flesh and he walked the earth and we saw how a human life can be beautiful. We saw what it is to be glorious. And so his love, the love of God, he says this is the greatest thing was actually shown in Christ. In Jesus Christ, we got to see pure goodness, pure and holy love. And you know what's interesting? Is Jesus actually used an illustration from nature to help us to understand what a beautiful life actually looks like, what love actually looks like. So right at the end of his life, right before he's going to go to the cross and sacrifice his life for us so we could be reconciled back to God. He says this in John chapter 12. He says, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. <laughs> the hour has come for the son of man, for Jesus to be beautiful. For us to see the fullness of his beauty, to see him glorified. And here's what he says. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone, anyone, you, me, anyone who loves their life will lose it. But anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant also will be. And my father will honor the one who serves me. So when I'm walking around this park and, um, and I'm looking at all the variety of trees and then there's a bunch of flowering trees and it's, it's just so beautiful. Even the grass will, will capture me. And here's what we know. Every beautiful thing you're looking at is there because a seed died. And when it died, it ended up producing many seeds. And so Jesus was saying something about the essence of God, a truth he was revealing to us. Now, he was absolutely talking about his life, his one life dying for us, produced many seeds, many, oh my goodness, millions of people who've had the chance to also become beautiful because of Jesus' death. But then he goes on to say, anyone, anyone, this is a principle, you guys, for you and me. And so it starts with what? I believe in the beauty of his creation. I believe in the beauty of Jesus Christ. And he revealed to me, beauty is me, Jesus, giving my life for you. 
And then you receiving that life in me. And then I produce, Jesus says, I produce the fruit of my spirit. And you become beautiful. And so he says, do you want that? Man, I guys, I'm telling you, I so want that. I want the freedom that he says he has and that he came to give us. I want his peace. I want his hope. I want his love. I want to live a life that's glorious and that's beautiful, that benefits everybody else around me, that sets my own heart free and gives him glory. And he says, basically right here, he says, then David, lose your life. You too are, you and I too are a single seed. But as soon as we die to ourself, die to sin, which at its core is I'm living for me more than I'm going to live for God or for others. I am not about loving God and doing whatever he wants. And I'm not about laying down my life for other people. Guys, that's sin right there. And Jesus says, if you'll die, if you'll receive my death, this is what's amazing. He died, right? So that we actually could die. Let me read this. 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He died so we could die to sin. So that we could actually die to ugly living. <laughs> so that we could be a beautiful, selfless, sacrificial person. And then he says, and he rose and lives again so that we could live a new life. And that's how it works. So Jesus exemplified the beauty of a human life, the beauty of the human creation by perfect love for his father and laying down his life for us. And if you and I will lose our life and say, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not gonna live for myself anymore. I want you to come into me and help me now die to sin and self and ugly living. And rise up within me through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead can live in you. It lives in you. Keep in step with that spirit. Die to yourself. Lose your life and you will find it. And then we can live a glorious life. This is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So you guys, when the stress, when, not if, when the stress and the fear and the anxiety and the loneliness and the anger of this world hits you, and if you're feeling it right now, here's what I want to tell you to do. Go outside. Go outside and get in the beauty of God's creation. Even his creation itself will start to heal you, but it also will attract you and allure you to God. Because nature is not the answer, y'all. It's the one who created it is the answer. And you will find rest for your soul. You will find peace. You will find power. You will find love, which is the absolute beautiful expression of God. And then you and I can actually 
be glorious. We can be beautiful. And we can end up being healing agents to everybody else that we live around. That is what I'm looking for. And I think you are too. This is a season for beauty. Let it have its effect on you. All right, let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your creation. Thank you for the healing power that even just the creation itself has because it comes from you. Thank you, God, for the way you minister to our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our relationships just by being out in what you've created. But Lord, we know that you are so much greater than your creation, that even creation will fade, but you never will. Lord, I wanna pray for every person who's just struggling right now, who needs a refreshing move of your spirit. God, would you, would you lure them to Jesus? Would you help us to see the beauty of yourself in the life of Christ? And would you remind us how much you love us? You laid down your life for us so that you could set us free from ugly living and you could empower us with your spirit. God, would you do that? Empower everybody who's watching this today with your spirit of beauty so that we can be for your glory and so that we can be healing agents to each other. And I ask for that grace in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, we got one last song for you. And oh man, did they pick the right one. I love this song. Soak it in. Let it do its work of blessing you deeply and richly.